What a difficult passage. I don't know about you, but when I read passages like this in the Bible, my heart hurts. They're hard to understand. In this passage, we have the rape of a woman, his half-sister. The Bible doesn't say that rape is right. That's not what it's doing here. It's actually shaming the family. This is not an okay behavior. Passages like this are about a very all-too-common event in our lives. And it's not new. It was happening for years before. Tamar was asked to serve bread, take care of her brother, which she did with a glad heart, and he took advantage of her, and her strength overpowered her and raped her, and then was despised by her. Says he loved her, he longed after her, and all, all of a sudden, it's now the symbol of his shame and his guilt, and he can't stand to be in her sight. And she asked to marry him, which sounds horrible to us. And in that time period, it would have been horrible to them. Actually, marrying your siblings forbidden in the Bible, but outside of Israel, it actually seems to be quite the norm. And they, she does this because she's trying to save honor. She's trying to save the family's honor. She's trying to save her honor. She's trying to save her brother's honor. She's trying to save the honor because we think in just individualistic terms, just me, my, I, they think we. That's how society was back then. And it still is in many other countries. We. This act has brought disgrace upon the entire family. And so she asked Mary and said, don't throw me out. We can save some of the honor that you have just robbed myself, the family, all of us brought upon yourself. She's now unmarriable. she's, She's seen as damaged goods. And that's hard. And it's not fair. And if you're sitting there saying, I don't like this, you're not supposed to. This is something that's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. She's trying to save the, uh, bring restoration to the family, save honor. She's being righteous, trying to bring this family into some sort of honor, and he is disgracing it, and it's not fair. And he blames the victim. Of course, not blaming the victim is actually a relatively new idea. It's still very common in the way we act and behave. 
It seems to be easier that way. But it wasn't until 1971 that the term blaming the victim was coined in a book about segregation. That turn led to things like rape shield laws in the 70s and the 80s. I know some of you were born before that. It wasn't until 1994 that the Violent Act Against Women was passed. It was the first federal legislation acknowledging domestic and sexual assault as crimes. Provided federal resources to encourage communities to coordinate response in violence against women. That's 1994. Throughout history, the idea of that this being the, the victim's fault was actually fairly common. And it goes on today way too often. It's her fault. She smiled. It was Tamar's fault. She was very beautiful. She seduced him by being kind. This is not the only rape in the Bible. This is where we're at in the life of David. And this act in the life of David is going to bring shame upon David, the one who's supposed to protect his family. And even after the fact, he fails to protect his family. He fails to bring honor back to the family. Leaving a brother to do it. And it's going to divide the family, split it up, and bring war. Rape is something that's not, com- not uncommon. Actually, the statistics here in the United States are really quite alarming. Every 73 seconds, someone in the United States is sexually assaulted. 73 seconds. That means in the process of my sermon... 20 people will be raped, sexually assaulted, molested. That's way too high. One in five women and one in six men in the United States have been raped at some point in their life. And in certain areas of the world, that's even higher. Like I grew up on the Navajo Zuni reservations and the rape counts are one in three This means that millions of people in the United States have been sexually assaulted. Many of them have never reported it. 44% of all victims of sexual assault are under the age of 18. So if you make it through your childhood, you're almost good. Wow, that's way too high. What's that say about our society? That we devalue children that much? We devalue our spawn, our offspring, our next generation that much? That if, they're four, that if you make it to your uh, adult, you're, you've got the rest of the years, you're, you're almost past the halfway mark? We value children that little? And so our legislature replies on that. 
It's, it's, we protect the perpetrator. Even pedophilia is becoming an okay word. They're minor attracted persons. You can't call them pedophiles anymore. Because we'd rather have them feeling that they're okay with themselves than protecting the lives of the young. That's what that says about our society. Two out of three, uh, two-thirds of all sexual assaults are committed by someone who is known to the victim. You know that stranger danger that was so popular years ago? That was a lie. Yes, there are dangerous strangers out there, but for the most part, it's the people we know because we don't value each other. Only 30% of sexual assaults are reported to the police. That means the vast majority of sexual assaults go unreported. They go unreported because of shame, fear. They don't want to deal with the court system that won't be on their side. Only 6%, 6% of rapists are incarcerated. Just like Amnon here, King David does nothing. This should break your heart. This is the state of our nation. Domestic abuse. One in four women and one in nine men in the United States have been victim of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One in four women and one in nine men. It's not just the women problem. One in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by their partner. Nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. That's your daughters, your grandchildren, your sons. That's maybe you. Domestic abuse accounts for 15% of all violent crime. We're worried about gun shootings. 15% of all violent crime is domestic. Only 30% of domestic violent faces report to the police. Only 6% of domestic violence perpetrators are put in prison. And this should upset you. It should maybe even make you afraid. May you feel like but fear isn't what we're called to live out in God. We're called to act. So what can we do? What does this statistic say about us? What does the statistic say about us? This society, we have failed to take care of one another. 
we have forgotten that we are to love God, love ourselves in, in its proper place, and love each other. We're a nation that claims to love God. Oh, I love God. I love myself, but we forget to love one another. We're the, we're the nation that has the highest number of people that believe in angels. We're the society that, that we're the United States is the, has the highest, that leads the, the, the world in people who believe in the Bible. We're the, yet these are our statistics. And they're way too high. We have become a society that looks at sex as a goal to reach your needs. Not about relationship and definitely not about sacrifice. Pornography has become the, great way, the gateway drug to sex offension. Pornography has become the, legal, the number one legal drug in the United States. And the United States is the most sexually violent nation on the earth. And there's a correlation. The states with the higher pornography rates of being sold have higher rape statistics. According to one news article I read, it says, quote, when in Oklahoma City closed down 150 porn shops in the rape, the shops, the rape rate decreased by 20, 26%. Now, I don't know if that's true. The, the author gave no data, no to support this. So I have no idea where they got this information from. But I do know that there is a correlation. And I do know that people, we've fallen down. We've fallen to take care of those who claim to be our family. Because the fact is, those who claim to be Christians are just as likely to partake in, the, in an abuse as those who are not. We have to step up and take charge. I'm going to say men. Men, you have to step up and take charge. Because overwhelmingly, it's the men who are perpetrating this. It is not only men. Do not hear this. Men get abused. But overwhelmingly, men are the ones who are getting abused, or are doing the abusing. Men, we've fallen down. If you need a call to action to say you are part of a much larger war, men, now is the time to act. We need to support one another. We need to lift one another up. We need to call each other out. Do you know that 80% of all rapists come from fatherless homes? Men, we've fallen down. Women, you're not innocent. We're not innocent in this. Women abuse too. 
Women are actually, it's in one report I read, it was actually the fear of other women being judgmental that has stopped many women from reporting. You're your own worst enemies. Let's ask ourselves, what can we do? Because that's what we're asking, right? What can I do, right? I don't know what to do. And the first thing we can do is pray. Now, I know that the first thing you hear is when you, when you hear it, you say, I'll pray for you. And people tell you, well, I don't need your prayers and your well wishes. I need action, which is absolutely true. But prayer is the number one way we communicate with the Father. It is the only way we pour our heart out. And it's the first step we have to take. It's not the last step we take, though. It's the first step we take. We pray. Because we know, we know that there's power in prayer. Now, if you were one of those victims there and you said, I cried out to God every night when he was raping me or every night when she was abusing me and God didn't, God didn't respond and I prayed. So there's no power in that prayer. Well, there's something else. That's because God had sent someone in your life to be your protector and they failed. They failed. Not you. Especially if you were one of those 44% who were in their childhood. Men, we have to be willing to stand up. We have to be the voice to those who have no voice. Get involved with other people. We have to start loving others to the point that we are known for our love. If you suspect someone is being abused, seek to get them help. Mm. I left some steps for us. If you know someone who's you suspect of being abused, set up a time to talk. You've prayed, it's time to act. Set up a time to talk. Try to make sure that you are in privacy, you won't get distracted, you won't get interrupted, and you won't bring shame upon them. Set up a time to act, just to talk. Let them know that you are, your, that you are concerned about them, about their safety. Be honest. Tell specific times when you were worried about them. Help them see that what they're going through is not right and that you want to help. Be supportive. Listen. Isn't that one of those things that we fail to do so often is listen? Keep in mind that it may be very hard for that person, for her, to talk about issues of sexual abuse and domestic abuse. Let them know they're not alone and that people want to help. Here's an even harder one. Offer specific help. You may say, well, I'm just willing to listen. That's as far as I go. 
but that might be what they need at least to get started. What about child help? Child care? What about providing transportation? What about providing a safe phone that's not being tracked? Oh, that sounds paranoid to some of you. If you've never been in a domestic abuse situation, you don't know the realities of it. You think that's just being paranoid. People that are abusive often track phones. Providing them with a safe phone where they can put their contacts on it so when they do decide to run, they can keep hidden. They can talk to counselors from. Or they can leave their old phone behind. Because that's one of the hardest things to do when you're in domestic abuse is leave your life behind. And how many, how many of you are attached to your phone? That is your lifeline. Don't believe me how many of you guys, when you go to the table, here's a little experience. When you go out to eat with someone, put your phone on the table, just flip it upside down, and then all of you do that, and the first one to check their phone gets to pay the bill. We're attached to our phones. Offer specific help. Don't place shame, blame, or guilt on the victim. On your friend. Don't say things like you just need to leave. Say things like, I get scared thinking about what might happen to you. Talk about how hard the situation is and you want to help. Well, you just need to leave puts the blame right back on her. Because she's not strong enough to leave. Help her make a safety plan. Safety plans include packing, picking a place, a safe place to go, packing important items, having another phone, uh, there's a hotline for that. I put it on, the, the, on the, the board here. If you need that website, it's right there. That'll help you pack, do a, a, a safety plan. Encourage your friend to talk to someone who can offer help, such as a local domestic violent agency, we have those numbers here at the church if you need them. And in fact, most of our, many times on our slides and as we go through, we have things like help. There's actually a page on our website called Get Help Now that has that information as well. Our church office is more than willing to give you that information. Um, if you know someone who's in help, get that number for them. Offer to go with them to the, to, the, to the agency, to the police, to the courts. They need support. If your friend decides to stay, continue to be supportive despite their actions. Your friend may decide to stay in the relationship, maybe leave and and then go back many times. It's hard for us to understand, not in that situation, but people stay in abusive situations for all kinds of reasons. Be supportive no matter what your friend decides to do. 
encourage your friend to do things outside of the relationship, to have friends, because it's important for them to make friends and see family, which is often the first thing abusive people want to cut you out of. If your friend decides to leave, continue to offer support. Even though the relationship was abusive, she may feel alone and sad and she may need help getting services from agencies, community groups. And of course, keep in mind, you cannot rescue your friend. They need to be the one to decide when it's time to get help. I don't know how many times we say this for lots of people. This goes for, for all kinds of things we go through in life. Alcoholics, drugs, abuse. We cannot save people. That's not something we can do. Sport no matter what their decisions are. Let them know that you are their friend and you will always be so no matter what. And they may test that by being mean, hurtful, accusative. And you may have to put up with it because they're trying to learn to trust when trust has been taken away. And of course, if you are an abuser, and they come in all shapes and sizes, leave them alone. Stop. Walk out. You are not right. It's not okay. As we think about our next steps, we think about this passage and how horrible it is. We have to learn to stand with one another. Take a stand as the family of God, as a society, and say this is not okay behavior. And we will not shame the victim, we will shame the abuser. David's role here will show exactly how not to behave in this situation, even though it's the common behavior. We have to learn to stand. Father God, right now, I pray that you teach us how to stand, that we stand up for the Father. We stand up for one another, Lord. We know that you have called us to love you first, and we do that, Lord. But because you have created us in your image, we stand for one another, Lord. I pray that we will stand together as one. Lord, I pray right now for those who are committing abuse, that, Lord, that you will put the shame upon them and you will reveal that action to the, the world around that it may not stay hidden. Lord, I pray for those who are victims. That those who have gone through in the past and are troubling, striving to, to, to understand, to make sense of the world and learn to trust again. And those who are currently in it, Lord, I pray that you will end that now. That, Lord, we as society will 
put an end to that. That we will say it is not okay. We stand for the victim. We stand for one another. In your image, we know you are creative, so we stand with you. We pray for those, our children, who overwhelmingly are the victims. Let us value our children once again as a society. Help us to bring you to the center, not just Christianity, not just the Bible, but you, God, as we seek to be your disciples. In Jesus' name I pray.